Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, Pokemon Trading Card Games premiere podcasting duo. My name is Riley Hobart, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Kriwal. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, it's going pretty well, Riley. How are you? I am doing freaking swell, man. I gotta say, I just came back from, like, another one of my classic, like, go-lives launch of the product situations. I got back mm-hmm. last night at 10 p.m., and this is probably the probably the third most tired I've been recording the cast. <laughs> okay. Not okay. the first well, or the we'll, second though. We'll be in and out and have you you know counting sheep in no time. <laughs> Sounds good, man. How's it going? Well, for me, we have been obviously preparing for the baby. So yesterday we set up the nursery. So I already had the crib all set up, but we hung some stuff on the walls, put up some shelving, unwrapped all the books that we got as presents, put them on the shelves. Oh, that so. guy can't read. Well, okay. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. There were some books that were really good and then some books that were not so good. Like there's this one book that's like, it's like push the button. And then it just has a yellow circle on the page. (laughs) And then it's like, push the yellow button. And then you push it and literally nothing happens. I mean, it's just 2D, right? It's just Mm. printed on the sheet. But it's like, why would you tell them to push the button and then nothing will happen? Or it's like, and then you flip the page, push the three red buttons, push the green button six times. And it's like, (laughs) they don't do anything. They need to incentivize the buttons. Exactly. My kid's going to realize, hey, I'm being ordered around <laughs> by a book I and I get no that. benefit. <laughs> yeah. They're going to learn to disrespect authority. That's right. So <laughs> I'm not a big fan of, of that button book, but uh, everything else. Yeah, it's it's coming along real nice. Have you littered the walls with subliminal messaging to make sure they get into Pokemon cards? Well... So I was thinking, I had a funny idea. I was like, how, how, cause we pretty much have everything off of our registry, just thanks to Anne's work friends or uh, our family. And so I was like, wouldn't it be funny to make a Pokemon like plushy registry? Yeah. And then, and then like as an incentive for that, like take a picture of my child holding each different stuffed pokemon plushie so i thought about that uh we did get one pikachu holding a cupcake that's very cute so that is kind of her first that was from a friend and then i of course have just like random plushies that that aren't behind me right now so those will also (laughs) be donated to the cause there you go how exciting it is very exciting i also hear that they have Pokemon picture books, like for I think they like do. just released yeah. a line of of Pokemon picture books for like you know birth or three or something. So yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. Cool, cool. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. We because do. We have deferred talking about new cars for I think three episodes now. <laughs> so yes, there's a lot of new cards. So if you like new cards and hearing our thoughts on them, 
good news. We got plenty of them to share with you. <laughs> we do. Yeah, so there's that, a lot of good stuff for sure. Then, uh, then you're a hater. So that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Towards the end of the episode, we'll talk about some of our top decks in the Brilliant Stars meta heading into the Brisbane Regionals, potentially also a good sneak peek into Salt Lake City. Uh, but really, the, the primer for this episode is going to be our new stuff that I look forward to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was kind of cool to see some of the stuff on uh, Andrew's channel this morning, um, playing with some of the newest, you know, unreleased, like new cards in Japan, unreleased here cards. That was pretty interesting to get kind of a, a taste of what's to come. Yeah, agreed. So, JW, why don't you kick it off with uh, one of your favorites from the bunch here? Sure. Well, I'm going to probably steal a little bit of your thunder, Riley, and <laughs> call out Hisuian Samurott V-Star. Hisuian Samurott V-Star, 270 health, dark-type Pokemon, Merciless Blade for a couple of darkness energy, does 110 damage, and if your opponent's active has any damage counters on it, this attack does 110 more damage. Now, there are a couple of ways to augment damage counters on our opponent's Pokemon. We obviously have Zigzagoon, which probably comes to mind, um, you know, the, the most obviously. Uh, but then there's also, you know, things like Flapple uh, to get there. You could uh, pair it with the Inteleon that can snipe damage. Uh, but Hisuian Samurai also has a V-Star power. Cutting Star, Moon Cutting Star. Once during your turn, you may put four damage counters on one of your opponent's Pokemon. So, you know, if you don't have damage counters, you can get it there with the moon cutting star so one of the things that i think really attracts uh, me to hisuian samurott is just the ease of setup you're only you know needing a couple of darkness energy to hit for potentially 220 damage which is a pretty good kind of uh, cost incentive to uh, to return and um obviously we're getting dark patch so you're very easily able to stream these samurats and hit for big damage yeah, Hisuian Samurai as well can uh, very quickly knock out, like, opposing V-Stars, uh, you know, with a combination of its ability, a choice belt, and its attack, you're doing 290 damage altogether there with the four damage counters, the 250 from the attack plus belt, and, you know, that knocks out an Arceus without a big charm, so just really quick aggression that the deck can put out, and really efficient energy attacks, you know, you only need an attachment in a dark patch to get that moving. And dark patch, in case you forgot, is getting reprinted. So just a low-maintenance, streamlined attacking deck. Those have historically been very good. And it's also dark type, which doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, right. You know, eyeing up some of the... In fact, the, the number one card in the format, uh, being weak to dark, doesn't hurt either. Right. Do you think that you would pair it with um, Darkrai V-Star? Or do you think you would keep it, uh, if you were to build a Hisuian Samurott, kind of focus it around the Samurott with any auxiliary Pokemon being, you know, needed to just do additional damage? I think both Darkrai and Samurott will benefit from being isolated <laughs> from each other. Mm -hmm. You know, they play very differently, in my opinion, whereas the Samurott, it doesn't need that many energy on the board, for example. Um and is trying to just do the 250 with the with the belt over and over, or 220 without the belt. Whereas I see Dark Rise, like you want to explode and completely destroy your board. Um, in which case, the 220 almost isn't even worth it because you're going to do 300. Right. So, 
Yeah, and I think too, as we get more into a V star centralized meta, the numbers just make more sense, like for the Samurai, right? Like if you if you think about taking Hisuian Samurai into a V Max metagame, it's just really hard to see how the Merciless Blade can get, you know, a one hit KO, right? It's, it's just kind of impossible to envision that. But if we think about a V star metagame, right, and you need to hit numbers ranging from 270 to to I don't know maybe 280 maybe 310 I guess if they have a big charm then that becomes a little bit more reasonable to do with things like Zigzagoon and Talion and Choice Band or yeah. Choice Belt absolutely yeah I think it's a, it's a natural pair for like the Italian Zigzagoon I mean very reminiscent of the uh the Jolteon deck honestly and the fact that you need to set up those damage counters right exactly cool Love it. Well, let's talk about another new card from the Battle Arena set in the another dark type card, actually, in that vein, in the Mighty Enna. You know, people have been talking about this Mighty Enna because it is very much geared towards Mew VMAX. It feels like, feels like Pokemon is trying to take Mew VMAX down a notch to me. Uh, so the Mighty Enna has an ability where it if there's an opponent's VMAX Pokemon in the active spot, Mightyena's attacks cost three less colorless energy to use. And conveniently enough, Mightyena's attack does cost three colorless energy. So very easily, It's like they thought about it. Very easily kind of works together in that way, which is great to see. You love when the ability works with the card it's being used <laughs> on. <laughs> so and it's actually VMAX in play, not in the active. Uh, and for three colors energy, it does wild tackle, which is 160 damage and your dark type. Now, Mighty Anna will do 60 damage to itself, so it can only use wild tackle twice before it will be on the receiving end of its own power. But it it cleanly knocks out a UV Max if it doesn't have a Oracorio in play to reduce that damage. Otherwise, you need a choice spell. I mean, that's just, it's such a straightforward answer. I, you know, you think of those like Zorark toolbox kind of decks. It's such a natural right. slot into those. And it right. lets you save your attachment for turn uh, because you can attack for free into the Mew. Right. So I think it's a very natural spot into those, those Zorark decks. Those decks are really fun, really exciting. Um, so giving them more answers to decks like Mew, which are just generally very oppressive in the first place, is always good to see. And it's good to see that like, this is a very active card design, in my opinion, very hostile towards Mew card design, uh, without being, like, oppressively so. You know, like, people aren't going to be playing 2-2 Mightyena in their decks. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, it's a stage one, right? So it's not like a, a basic yeah. with this ability, right? So there there is some investment in uh, in terms of, like, the, the actual deck building space that you give to Mightyena, and then over the course of a game, right? Like... Uh, if you're going to get into Mightyena, your opponent has at least one turn to identify the threat. Yep. Try to gust it up and and take that knockout. So I, I think it overall it's a very balanced card uh, for the most part. I mean, you can really see, yeah, they're they're targeting you know the best deck in format. And um, like you said, I think its best application is probably going to be in a kind of a wide bench Zorark yep. style deck where you can reuse the Mightyena, but you don't need to commit you know, a 2-2 a or a 3-2 or a 3-3 three, three or a heavy line of uh, your deck, you know, to playing the Mighty Anna. I totally agree. So, cool. Great card. Great card. You got another one for us, Riley? 
Yeah, uh, this card is the next iteration in the line of sparkling Pokemon, uh, and that is the Heatran. So we've seen already the sparkling Greninja as well as the Halucha, and Heatran is a much more straightforward Pokemon in comparison, I would say, whereas like Greninja and Halucha are more like bench supporty type Pokemon. Uh, Heatran, his goal is to get in there. And so for Fire and Double Colorless, it does Raging Burst, which does 70 damage for each damage counter on this Pokemon. Great synergy with the Magma Basin. Right. Uh, you know, off the one Magma, if you do one Magma Basin and attach a Turbo, you're doing uh, 120 off Rip, just off the two damage counters. If you do Magma Basin twice, and attach just another basic energy, you're doing 280. That's Meloetta type stuff right there. <laughs> so, for sure. You cannot hate on the Sparkling Heat Ran and its potential output. It also just has a decent bulk to it. You know, 160 HP on a basic Pokemon. Uh, one prize as well. You can't hate that. So, really solid option for things like Entei, which, you know, already play the Magma Basin and are very flexible with the basic Pokemon they play in the deck. Um, and certainly like anything that uses magma basin in the, in the future can kind of slot this in as an easy one prize attacker. So I'm excited about this card. I think magma basin is also just like absurdly good and absurdly strong. It's just like waiting for the, the day when it's got enough fire Pokemon that are worth accelerating to. Sure. Um, and heat ran will definitely be a primary choice, uh, for a sparkling Pokemon when that day comes. Yeah, I I'm a little cooler on the Heatran than you are. I just I'm a little nervous that, you know, because you'll have to power it up over the course of two turns, right? Like, right. it's not going to hit for meaningful damage, um, you know, on the first turn you lay it, you know, you're attaching the, the turbo and then maybe getting the magma basin to get some damage counters on it. Uh, you know, you're only doing 120. So, you know, you're going to need to build that up over the course of maybe two or possibly even three turns. And then at that point, if you've used Magma Basin three turns in a row, then you're at 100 HP left, which considering the time that you put into building it up might not be worth I, I'm not saying it it won't be worth it. It just it might not be worth it. Right. Because at that right. point, your opponent is, you know probably had an opportunity to gust it if they wanted to do so um or you know they've taken four prizes at that point like knocking out entes or knocking out charizards or whatever else you're playing alongside the heatran so um i'm a little i, I think yeah i mean i don't think the cards go to the sauce for sure <laughs> but, right but i right. do think it's a solid one prize attacker you know you think about think about decks like malamar for example where just like one extra turn of having to take knockouts can completely throw off their game plan and this is a card that just very easily can knock out a malamar you know um, right so that seems like a good option for for example for like the arceus charizard decks to to handle that matchup yeah no doubt no doubt i'm not saying it's it's a bad card in any way just saying right you mean it kind you of know, it. just it's just it's, <laughs> you just gotta you gotta you gotta think about it a little bit you know you gotta just it, it, take sure. some finessing take some finessing for sure I mean, when I think of the Sparklings, I think the overall best one so far is definitely Greninja. Yes, I think that... I, I don't want to say that goes without saying, because I, I do feel like the Halucha is, is pretty strong. Um, you know, if if we're still in a, a VMAX-centered metagame. But uh, the Greninja is just so versatile and should slot into, you know, pretty much any deck that plays enough 
uh, you know, energy to, to utilize it. So pretty cool. 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 GW take us with another card here. All right. I have, well, one card I'm really excited about for, uh, Durant players, all my Durant <laughs> players out there rise up is heavy ball. Now his heavy ball is an effect that we've seen you know, in, in the past, here and there. Uh, but look at your face-down prize cards. You may reveal a basic Pokemon you find there and put it into your hand. Then shuffle the Hisuian Heavy Ball into your remaining face-down prizes and put them back. So you are going to be able to search out. I mean, the, the most applicable, obviously, is Durant. Will it see play in other decks? Maybe some type of, like, like all decks have historically possibly played you know these like weird checkmate decks like i'm thinking about beast ball which is <laughs> a very recent parallel uh, beast ball was a little bit better because it could search out just any ultra beast but you know there might be some reason that some kind of slower more methodical deck might need to search out a basic from their prizes but obviously durant is kind of the deck that you're looking at here for the Hisuian Heavy Ball. Durant, no longer a meme. And so well, Hisuian Heavy Heavy Ball will be uh, a welcome addition. I still think Durant's kind of a meme, but... <laughs> hey, man, it won a tournament. That's cool, dude. That's, so, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I do think Hisuian Heavy Ball, though, is a pretty cool addition to the deck. Um, you know, having that reliance on having for Durant in play, Hisuian Heavy Ball partially can cure that i mean if you play multiple you know it's it'll be very hard to, to be kind of owned by your prizes if you play a couple who's doing heavy ball uh, even two but you know i think it's a potential option for other decks as well that are maybe reliant on tech basics you know maybe not in this format but certainly in <laughs> other formats um you know maybe one day down the line we have some deck that really needs like their combo piece and they can't afford to prize it, so they right. they need to play the Hisuian Heavy Ball to dig it out for some reason. Um, also, a great like GLC transition card um, if you have just the you absolutely need like a particular basic to get into play. It's like another option you can play in addition to Gladian and Peony. Right. Peonia. So I, I like the card. I think it's I think it's decent card design. I I don't know why they're so insistent on shuffling the prizes. <laughs> well, give us Azelf. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, like, there's a few just minor tweaks they could have done to make it a little better, right? Obviously, like, not having it, not forcing it be a basic Pokemon, right, is, like, one of the, the, the bigger ones. But then, yeah, man, it'd, it'd be nice to play a card. Let JW play as the unions. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I really wished that the Hisuian Heavy Ball could, could fetch out any Pokemon so that you could get the unions, but... It seems like a restriction that really wasn't necessary, on the card exactly <laughs> exactly so, so uh, well you see heavy ball is still fun we like it no doubt no doubt all right well why don't you take us into the next card riley cool well while we're talking about <laughs> trainers that are slightly underwhelming let's talk about the wait and see turbo this card is turbo bad in my opinion yeah. and maybe there's a deck that it finds its way in i certainly don't see it in the current pool of cards that we have but what wait and see turbo does is remission of wait and see hammer if this is your first turn going second you can play this card 
and you search your deck for an energy and attach it to one of your Pokemon. If you do this, your turn ends. So, and it's a basic energy as well, not a special energy. So, <laughs> wait and see, Turbo. I mean, you need a deck that, like, really desperately <laughs> needs that extra attachment, in my opinion, to play not only the f- presumably four dead cards in your deck, uh, but to also even bother with this in the first place because it, Jeff and I are, we're talking about this. You know, if you really are desperate for that energy, you can also play a Leafeon for its ability. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's so like, why is what you see Turbo has so many conditions on it? You right. Know? And and the Leafeon, you know, there's there's arguably a lot of things that are better with the Leafeon, right? Because you can use your Ultra Balls and your Quick Balls yeah. to get it out. Whereas Wait and See Turbo, you have to just hope have you it. have it. <laughs> on the first turn going second it's just it seems like a bizarrely restrictive card design and it's not mm-hmm. you know maybe if it was like battle vip pass where it's just like on your first turn you can play this card mm-hmm. but also going second also ends your turn what deck wants this <laughs> <laughs> for real it felt like they yeah. were trying to do something and they didn't do it <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say exactly, but uh, certainly there are better options in the format. I always like when they print, um, you know, car- just like just cards that have possibilities, but this one just feels like they miss mark a little bit. A little underpowered. But there's plenty of powerful cards left, and pretty much, pretty much all the cards that we have left to talk about are powerful. So, GW, why don't you kick us off with one of them? Yeah, let's talk about Dialga and Palkia. So Dialga V-Star has a Metal Blast attack, 40 damage for a single colorless. But it says this attack does 40 more damage for each Metal Energy attached to this Pokemon. So if you have a Metal Energy to fulfill the attack cost, you're doing 80 damage for a single Metal. And obviously that will augment the more Metal you have attached. I think that's a really cool uh, attack there. I mean, certainly the stacking of energy uh, you're going to want to do because the V-Star power attack, Chrono Star, 220 damage, has the very simple and very uh, canonical effect of allowing you to take an additional turn. Heck yeah. So for 200, for five energy, you can do 220 damage and skip your opponent's next turn. Very, very similar to another multi-prize Dialga from the Sun and Moon era, Dialga GX, had basically this same attack, um, although this one does significantly more damage, and this Dialga has a better primary attack when you're not using your V-Star power. (laughs) Maybe my favorite part about this card is it's opened up the door and expanded to basically skip your opponent playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the... Because you can use a V-Star power and you can also use a GX, right? So yeah. you're saying, like, you can play the V-Star, you can play the Dialga uh, GX, and then there's, like, one other way... You could Yoga Loop. You could Yoga Loop, that's it. <laughs> so if everything goes exactly perfectly, you could Yoga Loop then use one of the Dialgas, then Yoga Loop, then use the other of the Dialga, <laughs> then Yoga Loop, then take one more attack and attack six times in a row before your opponent <laughs> plays card. Now, that is like an insanely specific setup, but so funny that you could do both. And I, yeah. I definitely, content creators out there, you got to get the meme deck where at least you play the GX and the V-Star. And you're like, right. maybe have like a Mew EX to copy them or something. Like, there's something there. 
And I can't yeah. wait to see the videos. <laughs> Do you think that Dialga V-Star uh, has any competitive potential? I mean, we talk about metal Pokemon. Um, you know, right now, there isn't much in the way of metal, but it has, like, pretty good uh, weakness, right? Like, fire isn't particularly big right now. Um, we have kind of the enablers that are just out there floating in Metal Saucer and uh, Bronzong. So do you think that metal could see play? Like, is this card good enough to build a deck around? Yeah, I mean, the combo as well that they're trying to go for, I think, is the, the Magnezone in the set, which has very similar ability to the team up blastoise where you look at the top six cards of your deck and attach any number of metals to your pokemon in any way you like so there is like some form of acceleration in addition to saucer as well um i think historically when we've had metal pokemon that costs a lot of energy to power up uh and some sort of metal acceleration stage two it has not worked out well for the metal pokemon (laughs) so i'm a little skeptical um, I will say the Dialga is one thing this Dialga has going for it that like, you know, Dialga GX didn't have going for it is I think it's first attack is actually okay. You know, it's at least passable. If you are, right. if you are fulfilling the attack cost for the timeless V star and, um, and you don't have like a double turbo or anything attached, that means you have five metals. So that's like another 200 damage, 240 uh, so, you know, if you take a knockout with the, the V-Star power and attach one more metal, you're doing 280, which pretty much knocks out, like, every other V-Star. So I think there's right. something there. But, you know, just historically, like, these Stage 2 acceleration, especially, like, the more janky acceleration that the Magnezone is providing versus, like, a Rain Dance, yeah. I don't think it's all the way there, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I'm more envisioning not with the Magnazone, but but more with the uh, the Bronzong as, as like kind a of finisher. like a yeah. So like you're building up, you know, almost these manual attachments turn after turn. Your Metal Blast is doing more damage. You move the energy off uh, to Cheryl yeah. to heal up in between you know turns or whatever, uh, or in between your opponent's attacks, I should say, and then. At the end of the game, okay, you're hitting for you have a ton of energy in play. You can Chrono Star, take two prizes off of V Star, and then you just Metal Blast for the last two prizes or something like. That's kind of how I'm envisioning it with like a bunch of movement around with your benched, yeah, Bronze Songs. And- I could see it. I guess I could definitely see that as a as a concept. I I still think it might struggle to actually get off the ground and like get mm-hmm. to that ideal end state. Um, but I do I do like the idea. Yeah. Would you play in the deck Adaman? No. <laughs> Crasher Wake, Wake slash Adaman are both awful in my opinion. <laughs> and why is that? Like like if you're if you're looking at Adaman or you know, we've played through the era of Crasher Wake in the Forbidden Light expansion. Um what is bad about these conditional supporters? So you know, when we talked about like your GLC deck, you kind of referenced a similar thing. Like these are supporters that, for much of the game, might not even have an opportunity to do anything. So, for context, Adaman is discard two metal energy from your hand, and if you do this, you can search your deck for up to two cards. So, like a great opportunity to like get a rare candy and a stage two or something along those lines. Uh, very similar, in fact, identical to Crasher Wake, which did the same thing for water energy. Um, but the thing is, you need Adamant and two Metal Energy in your hand at the same time. 
and you also like need a neck a, your next supporter uh so you're playing like multiple copies of adaman presumably to actually get this off uh, it's already kind of a niche combo here um and then for what you're getting two cards it, you have to pick a really good two cards for that to like be worth it in my opinion right you're taking your minus twoing yourself to go even um and then not be able to play support of the rest of the turn you know when you think of cards like computer search like yeah computer search lets you discard any two cards and you get one card back but then you can like research after that right, <laughs> and, right. and draw more adam just leaves you stun locked <laughs> after your combo um in addition to the fact that like even having the metal energies is like awkward and weird uh, and it does mm-hmm. nothing for your early game so right it's just uh it's a really feels bad card it doesn't quite have the payoff for the cost yeah yeah that's definitely true it's definitely true it's hard with the conditional supporters just because um it and it's like the condition is so high to achieve you need to add them in like you said the two metal energy like think about getting marnied and then <laughs> yeah, you're drawing adamant. five cards like like to pull off the adamant off an opponent's marnie you have to have more than half of your hand go to that combo it's just very um it's very unrealistic in the uh, uh in almost any i would say in any format like i don't know that adamant like 10 years ago would have been good like you know it's just hard to see that uh, that effect being strong enough right to uh, to play in a deck yeah i totally agree I think even if Mount Coronet was still in format and you could grab those two metal energies in the discard, we would still debate if Adamant is even a good card at all. And that would like instantly pop the combo too. So, right. um, Yeah. It's not, it's not good, but let's talk about Palkia. (laughs) So Palkia is a, another exciting V star looking equally as bizarre as Dialga with its origin form as well. So that's fun. Uh, Palkia has Spatial Swell for 60 plus damage and does 20 damage more for each bench Pokemon on both sides of the field. So literally this is Suicune, but with an additional 40 base damage. Uh, Now there is the only slight difference is that it costs two water instead of water colorless, Uh, but really, really strong attacker. You know, 280 HP has that very similar attack to Suicune, so it puts a lot of pressure on your opponent's. You know, taking two hit knockouts for probably majority of the game, but you know you can set up your one hit KOs if you're you're playing damage modifiers and your opponent mm-hmm. has a full bench. You know, can't use the Ludicolo because you're not a basic, unlike the Suicune. But you know you could have like Inteleon snipes or the like. And it also has really exciting V Star power, uh, the ability Star Portal. Maybe this feels like a staple in any water deck, to be honest. And once during your turn. You can attach up to three water energy from your discard pile to your water Pokemon in any way you like. So just a free three water energy into play from the discard pile. That is so powerful. You know, not only Palkia can in one turn with an attachment plus the the V Star power, you can instantly charge up two Palkias. Yeah. Or like any water attacker. <laughs> yeah, it's really quite quite a strong v power i mean if we talk about like in a vacuum 
what are your strongest V-Star powers? I mean, probably would have to go with the, uh, you know, with Arceus probably is number one. Just searching out two cards is just incredibly good. But then I, I think there's a really strong case for Origin Palkia V-Star having the second best V-Star power just in a vacuum, right? Yeah. Attaching energy from the discard pile like this to your Pokemon in any way you like. There's no, there's really no restriction on this V-Star power. Like you don't have to go to bench Pokemon. You don't have to attach to one Pokemon. You can go three water energy, three separate Pokemon, same one. Like it's so, so strong. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like you said, this Palkia, maybe if it's not the main attacker in these water decks that we might see, it's certainly going to be included because of how strong that ability is. Yeah. And it's always a great alternate attacker. Like that's such a, such a straightforward attack. There's definitely matchups where you could squeeze that in. It's yeah, two prizes, certainly, 200 HP, can't hate it. And and it forces your opponent to play a little bit differently. Like, yeah. it's the same with Suicune, right? It is In an ideal world, you know, we just bench everything that we get to hand, but then you have to think about it, right? And that's definitely harder for those wide-benched decks, you know, anything that plays uh, multiple attackers or anything that plays an Inteleon line. Like, they want to go as wide as possible with their bench. And maybe if you're playing the Palkia deck, they might think twice. Agreed. Now we just need to find what the best abuser is of getting five water energy into play on one turn. <laughs> With a Melanie, too. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Tweet at us. Tweet at us your thoughts there. <laughs> at Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter. So I I actually really like the, uh, the Dialga and the Palkia both. I think they're both really fun, really good kind of like representations of Dalga and Palkia themselves and, mm. and kind of what's going on with those those little guys and their origin forms. So I like it. And you know what? The origin forms themselves have kind of grown on me. I, I almost like how ugly they are. I agree. I actually think the Palkia looks like a nice card. Like I like the blue and the gold. Yeah. And the pink. It's a nice, nice color scheme. Yeah. Even if it looks like it should have arms when it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it have such gigantic shoulders? <laughs> but, you know, that's part of the appeal. That's why I like it. There you go. <laughs> JW, why don't you talk through some of our other powerful cards from the new set? Yeah, well, let's take it back to the realm of the trainers with a new supporter, Roxanne. Now, Roxanne, a um, little bit of debate when this one was released, says if you can, uh, you can only play this card if your opponent has three or fewer prize cards remaining, and then says each player shuffles their hand into their deck, then you draw six cards, and your opponent draws two cards. So a really powerful effect, but again, we see another very restrictive condition. Roxanne can only be played in the end of the game, you know, yeah. at least halfway through, um, but does, you know, is one of the best kind of disruption slash draw supporters that we have. I mean, Roxanne, very similar to Ace Trainer in terms of like its disruptive capabilities, um, you know, with one additional card removed from your opponent's hand, which is definitely really strong. I'll, I'll be curious what if any decks can actually slot Roxanne because she's just completely dead for so much of the game. Yeah. Um, it feels like Roxanne was maybe made for like a one prize deck. Yeah. 
just to have that option to like really try to make a strong comeback. I do comeback. agree. I do agree. But I feel like one prize decks like desperately need the draw, all the draw they can get, consistent draw. Mm, so like, sure. How often are, gonna, are they going to slot the Roxanne and feel good about it? Sure. Yeah, you're you're probably right there. It's uh, it's tough to envision for me as somebody that's played the game for a lot of years. It's tough for me to envision a deck where Roxanne is, um, you know, more than a one of and like even like I'm debating, you know, zero to one. It's right. not like it's not like two to three or three to four. Like it's do I play zero or do I play one? And <laughs> the one is a really hard sell, I think, for me at this point. Yeah, it's certainly no end because it just doesn't. I wish it. I almost wish it had like some crappy effect, but it still drew cards right. uh, when there was more than three prizes left, and then it had its bonkers effect at when it had less than. Three. Yeah, sure. Like if it was like a judge or something, right? Like both players shuffle in and draw four, but if you have yeah, like, you know, three or yeah, four, like plus two and, and minus two, like that almost right. makes sense. And you know, and judge is pretty powerful, so like maybe you even do like both players have five or something. Yeah, um, sure. Or even just like, I don't know, shuffle your own hand and draw four and your opponent is nothing. Just like something where I could play this card in my hand if I have it for the first half of the game. Uh, <laughs> potentially more. Like, honestly, if you have three or less prizes, the game might be over like within a few turns. Yeah. Um, so I wish it did like something. It could be something bad, like not powerful, but something prior to that effect. Yeah, but it doesn't. So let's talk about the card as it is. Like, what? Um, yeah, what? What are? What are a deck? Like, what's a deck that you see it being played in? Like, could could you see Roxanne seeing competitive play? Honestly, I don't think it slots into any of the decks that I see existing in this format. Um, it doesn't really seem like a natural fit into any of these like Arceus decks. It doesn't seem like a natural fit into any of the one prize archetypes that we have right now. Um, like maybe the the Hoopa deck, the Hoopa Weezing deck, but even then, like that deck can be sometimes like such a pile that like I would want to make sure that it's maxed out on all of its essentials before I play a Roxanne. Um, the only the only card that I think legitimately like take advantage of this is like a. Like an Arceus Malamar VMAX deck, you know, where you can rip mm. the card and do like a handlock, basically. You know, that's way stronger than a Marnie handlock um, <laughs> towards the end of the game. And that's like your comeback mechanic, I guess. Um, but that's like, it's so niche <laughs> and maybe not even good still, <laughs> even with Malamar VMAX. Right. So I don't know. I don't really see it seeing any play, to be honest. If it does, it'll. I feel like it'll be in like some sort of degenerate handlock kind of situation. Sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, do you feel similarly? Yeah, I. I can't. I can't see it again. Like zero to one would be like where my initial <laughs> argument would be. So right, Roxanne's just... fighting for her life to get the one up slot right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just feel like I would. There are so many better cards. Like again, we. I. I usually when I'm deck building, trying. I'm trying to think about. Um, the the most like the best cards that are the most usable in the most situations and so you know Roxanne is just too conditional to really have uh, have much of an impact yeah let's talk about a card that uh, does draw cards 
and can draw at any point in the game. That's Jubilife Village. Now, Jubilife Village is a stadium. Once during each player's turn, that player may shuffle their hand into their deck and draw five cards. Now, if they do that, that player's turn ends. We've had a lot of analogies of this Jubilife Village to a card that uh, many players do not own. <laughs> tropical <laughs> Beach. It's the poverty tropical beach for a lot of players that can't get their hands on the coveted world's promo, but um, slightly different. Of course, obviously tropical beach drawing your hand to seven, this one shuffling and drawing five, but there's a lot of merits to both. So Riley, what do you think about jewel life village? Do you think it will see play in, you know, attacking decks? Do you think it will see play in, uh, in, in kind of these, these stall archetypes that might arise? Like, where do you feel like jewel life village slots in? Um, if there's a stall archetype, I certainly don't know what it is, although it's certainly probably appreciate this stadium um jubilife is a little underpowered in my opinion i think beach generally i mean obviously beach was a stronger card like you can tell just by looking at it but i think one of the things that beach had going for it that was particularly strong was if you had if you're trying to get a combo of some sort like you're trying to evolve a stage two or something like that (laughs) if you had the stage two in hand you could beach to look for the rare candy uh, and you can't Jubilife Village to the same effect. If you have your Stage 2 in hand, you shuffle it in and hope you draw the Evo Incense and the Rare Candy now. And that's mm-hmm. a it's a much taller order than kind of what Beach was offering those kinds of decks. Um, now, attacking decks maybe can use something like this more liberally if they're just looking to like draw some extra cards during their setup phase, so to speak. Um even then, I don't, I don't think it's, like, that overtly powerful of a stadium. It's certainly, like, a great option in GLC for decks that need extra stadiums or or for folks who don't have Tropical Beach. Um, but when I think of stadiums right now, I think the two obviously powerful, most powerful stadiums are uh, Training Court and Path to the Peak. Mm. So to mm-hmm. play Jubilee Village, in my opinion, you need to not really care to have training court but also need to bump path to the peak right and i think the decks that have that specific cross section are few and far between (laughs) sure so i doubt it will see like an excessive amount of play i'd be very happy to be proven wrong um i do think it's a great glc card though especially for folks who are hurting for the tropical beaches (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I mean, of course, you can always play like an alternate language or, um, you know, a world's promo. Bro, that world's promo is $50. Are you serious? I'm for real, man. Google that right now. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because of GLC. Because of GLC, yeah. Uh, Andrew. (laughs) The world's world's champ (laughs) card, man. That's crazy, man. (laughs) All right, well, we got a couple more cards on this list. Uh, the last item that we will be talking about, the last trainer, Canceling Cologne. During this turn, your opponent's active Pokemon has no abilities, including Pokemon that move to the active spot during this turn. I really like Canceling Cologne. Um, it it all but effectively nullifies the only other item supporter that does this exact thing um whose name i am completely blanking on at this moment oh phoebe there we go so phoebe had a very similar <laughs> yeah. similar effect um but canceling cologne as an item is just 
infinitely better because again you can uh, be a little bit more versatile with it you can play your item while also playing your supporter for the turn so cancel and cologne riley give me a couple of uh you know instances where this might be a strong card yeah so um i apologize if anyone heard my windows defender letting me know that <laughs> my firewall settings need to be updated um canceling cologne the most obvious use case in my opinion is to pierce through like your safeguard ask pokemon so like your um your decidueyes your zamazenta v's your next card on the list in the milk tank uh that's like a super obvious use case uh, because it only lasts through your turn, it has to be something that like is going to impact your attack, basically. <laughs> um, one other kind of niche use case, though, is... Um, and because it only affects the active, um, you know, it gets even more niche. But let's if your opponent like only has one like Eternatus VMAX active <laughs> for example um mm-hmm. you could like turn off Eternatus and like force them to reduce their bench in the middle of the turn so that's kind of cool um you know we can also use it to to turn off Manaphy if you boss it up you can turn off the Manaphy and snipe with Urshifu and Jolteon is certainly an option um overall I think it's a pretty niche card but it's a pretty cool card design you know, it's uh, it's significantly weaker than Hex, obviously, because it only is through your turn. But it still gives you a way to kind of handle those Pokemon and tech for them. Um, so I like it. You know, I can't, I can't hate it. Right. Yeah. It's a cool one. Um, it certainly, you know, is something that it's just a better version of a card that we currently have that saw minimal play, but um, at least gives us more options. It's just improved, right? So uh, you can't hate it for that absolutely so let's then talk about the last card on our list which was already referenced during the canceling cologne and that is mill tank mill tank has the miraculous body ability which prevents all damage done to this pokemon by pokemon v and it has a kickabout attack for double colorless does 10 damage and 20 more for each of your opponent's benched pokemon mill tank is a card that people have kind of been anticipating or waiting for since the start of Sword and Shield, and that is our like quintessential safeguard basic. I feel like the safeguard ability always starts off on an evolution Pokemon, and then eventually it makes its way down to a basic. Uh, and we've historically seen this be a pretty powerful type of card. Is the you know the multi prize negating basic type Pokemon? I think the one thing that Miltank maybe has going against it that other uh like safeguard-esque pokemon have not had to deal with is mew v max has max miracle which completely negates the effectiveness of the ability Mm -hmm. um but certainly this is a historically powerful ability great option for for you know stall archetypes or maybe they have other ways to deal with mew and this is like their way to deal with the rest of the attacking attackers in the format and it can like put pressure on your opponent uh, if you manage to get two energy on it or attach a double turbo and they have a couple bench Pokemon, you can slowly whittle down your opponent's attackers. So I like it. You know, it's a it's a very balanced, in my opinion, iteration of of these Pokemon. I, I like as well that the attack can be played around. Um, you right. know, you can reduce your bench as much as possible to make it do very little damage, which gives you time to like find answers for it. 
um, as opposed to just kind of being shut out of the game when it hits the field. Right, exactly. I think that's a really um, cool thing is that there is some built-in interaction with that card. Like if you think that your opponent is playing a mill tank in their deck, then it'll make you think twice about benching that extra Pokemon or those two extra Pokemon. Like you just are able to make decisions in the game based on your opponent playing mill tank or not, which, um, you know, is bad for the mill tank player, of course, <laughs> but is very good for you. Agreed. And so that is not all of the cards that have been revealed since we last talked through new cards. It's just a, a subset of them. But, uh, you know, we tried to cover some of the biggest ones. If there are other cards that you think are worth calling out from the Battle Region Time Gazer or Space Juggler expansions, be sure to let us know on Twitter at Tag Team Pokemon what you think are some of the goats from this set. But now... It's time for our card of the day. And JW, I have a banger for you today. So this card came to me as a result of my near obsessive research that I've been doing into this format, <laughs> watching all the, the tournaments and checking out the standings and stuff like that, which is kind of weird because I'm not going to, to Brisbane or Salt Lake, but I'm getting really invested to, to try and help out the homies prep. And <clears throat> there's one card that is distinctly in the conversation as being ridiculously overpowered. And you know what that card is? What is that? I think you know. Or at least you, you could probably guess it within two guesses. The, a card that's ridiculously overpowered for Brisbane. Just in this format. Like a card that people hate, would want to see banned, type stuff. stuff like want to want wanna to just eradicate. Yeah. Um, Mew. Close. Uh, Meloetta? Yes, Meloetta. Uh -huh. uh, Meloetta is if surly broken attack. It's not the card of the day, though. But I did, it did remind me of another Meloetta. <laughs> and this Meloetta is significantly more fun. It's Meloetta EX from the Radiant Collection. Uh, and Meloetta EX has the absolutely broken round attack on it. Uh, round was like a little meme archetype that was printed in the black and white era. I think it also got one card in the X and Y era um, where you do damage for each of the Pokemon in play that have the round attack. Um, actually, recently they kind of redid this with the like let's roll together, I think it is. That's uh, on the Wooloo and the Meryl. Uh, and all the Pokemon that have round are really crappy. Melod is also right. pretty crappy. It's an EX with 110 HP, <laughs> so not great. Um, but for three psychic energy, if you manage to find those to attach them to your 110 HP EX, you do 30 damage times the number of Pokemon in play that have the round attack. And that's up to six. That's 180 damage, which at the time was incredibly impressive amount of damage. Uh, you know, that's one hit KO and like all other EXs. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Meloetta could get in there. Realistically, Meloetta wasn't actually something that you'd attack with, though. You would attack with some of the other round attackers. There was a Seismitoad um, right. that attacked for double colorless. But the thing about Meloetta was it was a basic. So you, you'd fill your bench with Meloettas and then attack with your one prize round attackers. Uh, so it was just a, it's a fun meme deck. And Meloetta was certainly a solid addition to that deck. And it's a really cool card. You know, it's one of those like fancy full arts that they did in the, the radiant collection 
Yeah, the radi- I remember the Radiant Collection. And then was it one of the ones that had some of the badges up along the side or no? Um, no, that was in the... That was in the next collection as part of um, Generations. That one. <laughs> that Can't one had you... the badges. Meloetta was the you... generation before that. But um... <laughs> but they did have a very similar aesthetic, uh, just minus the badges. I see. Yes, very, very cool. Yeah. So there you go, Meloetta. And with that, I think it is time to introduce... Our sponsor jw why don't you tell us about our friends over at manscaped absolutely tag team is presented by manscaped manscaped is the industry leader in below the waist male grooming and we couldn't be happier to have them as our presenter for the tag team podcast manscaped um we've been partnering with them for oh the last five months or so and we just love the products that they provide they have really really good feeling good high quality products in my opinion that get all the you know jobs done that you need (laughs) around any area that you have extra hair so whether it's down there maybe in the armpit Maybe doing a little chin and beard trimming. Manscaped has got the tools for you. Absolutely. Manscaped offers really awesome, reliable products. JW and I are both big fans of all the things that we've had the opportunity to use. Uh, the Lawnmower 4.0 is seriously good. It feels great on your skin. It doesn't leave you uh, hurting and prickly. It gives you a nice, clean shave. Um, and those ceramic blades will not slash you up like you're in a slasher movie uh, in addition you got cool stuff like the ear and nose hair trimmer the weed whacker if you're like jw and i you got the the long danglies coming out it's a great way to to remove those from play and who could forget my favorite that i'll plug every single week their underwear is the most comfortable that i own by a huge margin <laughs> and i seriously cannot recommend that enough and I will throw this out there. Since we've had an exclusively used Manscaped products, we haven't lost a single tournament. It's true. It's true. It's, the correlation's there. Yeah. It, it's just, it's really crazy. So you can get your own <laughs> Manscaped products with our special code tag team at manscaped.com. That'll get you 20% off plus free shipping. That's tag team, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Accelerate your fusion strike energy into play with Manscaped. <laughs> so, JW, I think it's time that we talk about Brisbane and the top decks heading into it. Now, I'm going to be honest, man. going to be honest. I've been watching a lot of online tournaments and going a little bit psycho with it in the last mm-hmm. <laughs> with how plugged in I've been in the last mm-hmm. few days. MU has really dominated this format. Uh, yes. More even potentially than last format. It is winning and getting second place and sometimes even third at a great many of these tournaments. And uh, it's not looking good out there if you're not me right now. So my question to you is, do we do people just go in and play MU or what else do they do? 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird landscape right now. I, I would agree with you when you say that Mew is more dominant now than it was in the last format. It's really just um, a level of dominance that I don't remember seeing um, and one that I'm a little scared about. And I think that there's, you know, just generally fewer um, fewer answers now. I mean, you're, the, the, the deck has just better draw now, and it's crazy. And Ultra Ball is just such a huge uh, boon for the deck. You also have the Double Turbo, which is quite nice as well. So just got stronger, which is uh, crazy to think, you know, considering how strong it was <laughs> last format. Um, so what do you do to counter it? Well, you still have Gengar. You still have Gengar. Um, but Gengar has been kind of on the downtrend, I would say, uh, in terms of, of, of uh, playability and, and placements in online tournaments. Um, I, don't, I can't quite put my finger on why that might be, but uh, perhaps it's the Arceus V-Stars only needing the one attacker plus the, you know, one Arceus right in play and so you're not going to hit for that much meaningful damage onto an arceus uh with only two or maybe three v's in play especially since you're not going to be hitting for weakness um you also have things like dark arceus so meloetta or excuse me uh moltres and arceus paired together with maybe uh you know a one prize moltres to, to, you know, clean up in the late game. Uh, you just have those kinds of decks that have been popping up to try to counter Mew as well. Um, certainly Arceus decks that can afford to play Path of the Peak um, arguably should because you're going to need that kind of uh, yeah. assistance to slow down the Genesect draw engine. But yeah, like you said, Riley, it's it's hard to hard to beat the king right now. Yeah, I mean, Mew is, is showing up in spades. It, it really has everything it could ask for right now. Ultra Ball was a fantastic addition to the deck, uh, not only being able to search out more Pokemon more reliably, uh, which is great for both the first turn as well as just like getting your Mew Maxes more consistently. Um, but it also thins out the hand. It's a great card just to get your hand lower, get rid of your VIP passes, get rid of extra junk that you no longer need, and refill with Genesect again. So... Uh, Ultra Ball is just a huge addition to the deck. You know, we we talked for sure at length about how Ultra Ball would be powerful in Mew, and I think even then we didn't quite sell it enough for how how valuable of an addition that was to the deck. Also, beat the Choice Belt, uh, being able to serve as almost multiple power tablets in many cases because if your belt sticks for more than one turn, every turn that it sticks, it's an additional power tablet saved. Um, and so you can really just you get to consistently very high numbers for lower maintenance than you could before. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think the main iteration that we're seeing now, oh my gosh, my cat walks across my keyboard, is, is Path to the Peak is really showing up in spades now to kind of deal with the Mew. Uh, so you have the Arceus decks have all started playing Path to the Peak, whether you're playing Inteleon or Barbaral or something different altogether. Path to the yeah. Peak is... Showing up in spades, and Arceus really kind of needs that to be able to handle the Mew matchup effectively. Right. Um, and we're even seeing more recently, like in the last day or so, Jolteon has started to rise back up just because it's a Path to the Peak oriented deck. 
Um, and, you know, Arceus doesn't one-hit KO the Jolteon, so they can maybe shrug it off with a Cheryl, um, or otherwise you're just lower maintenance, so it can start attacking very quickly, um, and it has that kind of disruptive element to it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp at this point where you either got to play Mew or something with four Path of the Peak. That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really, you know, binary format in that way, right? Like Mew is just the dominant deck and it can even beat decks that are trying to counter it. I mean, that's yeah. always been true, but even now more so is like you you're really just if you want to have any sort of semblance of uh, you know, a, a good tournament performance, you're going to have to deal with Mew. You're going to have to have at least a 50-50 to it. Um, but it's like Agreed. there aren't many decks that I can think of. Maybe Jolteon has like a 50-50 matchup to Mew. Um, but even these like just dark, heavy Arceus builds, you know, they're, they're, you're either going all in to beat Mew or you're most likely going to lose to it. And in terms of Arceus builds, it seems like they've been getting almost more straightforward over time. You mm-hmm. know, early on in the format, we saw a lot of tricks and certainly... I think, like, in terms of variants that aren't straightforward Arceus, like, Duraldon continues to be the most popular one. Um, but we're seeing more, like, Arceus Babarel, Arceus Inteleon, and, like, that's it. <laughs> uh, with maybe, like, one tech attacker, you know, like a Farfetch'd or a Kangaskhan or, or something like that. I don't hate it, personally. I think it's a, it's a pretty solid idea to just kind of, like, make Arceus work, and then for the mirror, you can play the Charon's Care, which uh, if you're playing Charon's Care and your opponent's not, that's a huge swing in the mirror for sure. Um, and it's almost like I would rather execute my game plan as consistently as possible with Arceus, and that's how I'm going to beat Mew. I'll path them and, and have my game plan work every single time, then <laughs> futz the deck up with other stuff. Right. Um, and that's at least the direction people are heading right now. In terms of Arceus variants, JW, which would you favor heading into this weekend? Yeah, I've tried the Arceus um, Inteleon build that has seen some recent success. I am not a big fan of that. I don't really like and it might just be the builds that I've played. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of that, like the way they've been built. Like they've been very greedy on supporters and the Intellion line is not really helping all that much <laughs> from my perspective. And like, you're really relying on having Sharon's care in hand at the right turn. Um, it can definitely squeak out certain wins, but they never feel that dominant. Um, and you just always kind of feel like if you, if you're missing a piece, like you really, are on the back foot, you know, for the remainder of the game. I guess that's like any deck, but even more so, I feel like with the Arceus builds is like, if you're missing a piece in the early game or you miss that Charon's care in the mid or late game, like you're, and you lose your only built up Arceus, like you're, you're going to struggle for sure. Um, So that feels tough. Um, I don't know that I would really recommend that at this point. I'm happy to be proven wrong on that deck because I don't have a ton of reps with it, but the reps that I have had, uh, with the Arceus Italian have left me unimpressed. Um, there's Arceus Dark, so you could play something like we were saying with the Moltres um, and Arceus. That also is okay, feels a little mucked up. 
feels a little just like you're doing a little too much. Um, you also have the Arceus with dark but the dark's not really factoring in you're basically just playing control arceus so uh four four arceus um four path to the peak and then maybe as like a counter um, attacker you have evaltal to remove special energies or a kangaskhan to provide that kind of um, prize trade you know extra math or or a far-fetched in that case so just kind of cutting all of the auxiliary stuff um and going in with uh, with the Arceus. And maybe you're playing a couple Oleana as well to really kind of solidify the hand lock. That would be my preference at this point, although it's still doesn't, I don't know. It, there's just something about the deck that that I need a little bit more spice to it um, <laughs> that, that I don't have. So that would be where I would lean this kind of control-based Arceus with four path to the peak, one auxiliary attacker like Farfetch'd Veltal or Kangaskhan, and then maybe some Oleana to try to remove any stadiums from your opponent's hand. So my follow-up question then is, it doesn't seem like you're especially hot on any of the Arceus variants right now. Would you go in with Mew, or would you pick something different altogether? Yeah, if I had to play, if I had to play this tournament, I would play Mew. Um, I, I would take my chances because there's not really a lot you're going to do to Mew to make it any better um, for Mirror. Like, you could potentially play Fan of Waves or something. Like, that is definitely an option, but there kind of comes a point where that doesn't really matter. Um, you know, I, I'm struggling to think of things that are like, oh, yeah, this would easily win the Mirror. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I have that answer. I mean, maybe you play Oracorio, right, to try to mess up some math or something, but... Um, yeah, I, I would just go in with Mew, just say, hey, I'm going to play it better than most of the players. Um, and then at that point, you're just kind of playing the odds. You know, you're, <laughs> you're gambling, you're rolling the dice that you can uh, you can make it all the way. I kind of feel the same right now. I, I really hate that, like, play the odds, especially with Mew, which is like a deck that can kind of just play you <laughs> right more right. than you play in the deck it's like whatever whatever the genesex finds you is what happens <laughs> and it's kind of like you know there's certainly skilled differentials but um it feels less skill expressive i guess you could say right than right. other decks i would love to find the arcus variant for me i think right now i i like kind of the same style that you're describing but i need something more as well um so i'm definitely going to keep trying to find that but I mean, right now, the numbers speak for themselves. Like, Mew is very dominant in this format so far. So you got to either... You got to be playing a deck that doesn't take a losing matchup to Mew. You know, you cannot... Yeah. You're seeing... And just for, like, you know, just for context here, uh, and certainly, like, the online and real-life scene won't be exactly the same, but, like, Mew is representing, like, a substantial portion of the metagame at all of these tournaments. You know, if you look at just, like, the sheer number of decks... Mew will typically be two to three times larger than the next biggest deck. Um, So you're going to hit Mew. (laughs) And, you know, what what we said in in terms of, you know, whether you need to plan for a deck is if if you're going to hit it more than once, you kind of need to have a game plan against it. And Mew is certainly a deck that you can expect to hit more than once. Will you necessarily? You know, we can't say for sure. But is it something that can and likely will happen? Yeah. So you need to have a game plan from you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good point there, Riley. Um, I'm just glad that I don't have to play this weekend. 
uh, or ha- half the play is is a you know that's that's not the right terminology that's that's a little too kind of pretentious but you get what i'm saying is like i'm glad that i don't have my tournament um this upcoming weekend just because i want to see what are some of the innovations that are coming out i mean maybe there's some kind of toolbox deck um that certainly feels a little underexplored but then again how does a toolbox deck beat mew like that's always the biggest question um maybe there's some sort of you know zoroark wormadam <laughs> option out there that just looks to you know two hit ko or potentially one hit ko anything in its path um that has yet to be determined so i think there's certainly some room for innovation but i don't necessarily have that right now on my brain um and so i'm really excited to see what other people will come up with totally agree uh and i th- I think our friends over in Salt Lake are blessed by having the the weekend in Brisbane to kind of observe and prepare. Yeah, I think that's a huge deal. And, um, you know, I don't know that there will be an official stream, but we'll be sure to collect as much information on the deck list that we can for you guys for next week. Absolutely. Well, JW, I think this is a, a solid look into the future for both the Brilliant Stars metagame and our upcoming sets here. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up today? No, I think this has been, you know, uh, it'll be really good to see, um, you know, Brisbane coming up. You know, maybe it's, maybe the answer is, is Arceus Duraludon. You know, we haven't maybe really talked is, much about that. Um, you know, I, you, you beat a few Muse. I did. On your way to the full group games. 2k crown well and so, I honestly like the drought on deck consistently like places pretty well mm-hmm. uh what i was describing in our group chat is i think the drought on deck is like a great it's a great deck to farm cp with i don't know if it's a tournament winner for every tournament but if you're mm-hmm. looking to like get your top 64 and get your 40 cp and get out of there like it's a great choice for that <laughs> <laughs> Although I do, th- I do think it's it has tournament winning potential. Um, yeah, it is a very yeah. powerful deck. Yeah, it's and I also stuff. think there's you know maybe there's another Vmax that kind of slots into that same exact kind of archetype. People have been talking about the uh, the Delmas, the Malamar, the Delmas, the Delmas, the Malamar. Yeah, try them all. Who knows? <laughs> what the heck? Let us know what you think. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So as always, you can find us on our socials. Uh, Twitter would be one of the most uh, effective ways to reach us. That's at tag team Pokemon for the podcast at smiles with Riles for Riley and at real John Walter for myself. We thank you guys so much for listening to the cast every single week. Numbers have been insane. Numbers have been crazy recently. Uh, So we just want to thank you so much for listening and, um, yeah, you can always catch us live every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time over at twitch.tv slash Munner. So if you want to join in on the conversation, you can absolutely feel free to come join us on the Twitch stream. That's going to be all for us tonight. Thank you once again for watching or listening. I will catch you on next week's episode. See ya. Peace. <laughs>